0: I want to talk to you tonight from this idea, we need the oil. We need the oil. I'll never forget my grandma telling me a story. She was in a worship service when she was younger, and they looked around in the walls, and it looked as if oil was coming down the walls in the sanctuary. Now, oil is a metaphor for the anointing or the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so when I say we need the oil tonight, I'm not saying we need the oil like in our car. Although, if we're not careful, if we forget to put oil in our car, the same thing will happen to our car that happens to us in our faith. It'll seize up. It'll stop working. So so I need the oil. I don't know about you, but I need more than a goose bump. I need more than a I need more than a good lick on the guitar. I need more than a good preacher. I need the oil. Can somebody say amen? And so what this church is passionate about is the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we're fasting and praying because, God, we're saying to you, hey, we need your presence. We need your oil. We need the anointing if we're going to do what you've called us to do. And so if you have a Bible, would you turn to Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 18. These are the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says this, it says, "'The Spirit of the Lord is on me,' Jesus said, "'because he has anointed me "'to proclaim good news to the poor. "'He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, "'recovery of sight to the blind, "'to set the oppressed free, And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this because Jesus is saying to us, these are the things that I'm authorized to do by God. There will be a lot of people who try to pull me into other ventures. But these are the things I came to do because these are the things that I'm authorized to do by God. A lot of people think it's the church's responsibility to do a lot of things. But we're only going to do what we're anointed to do not what people tell us to do, not what pressure tells us to do, not what what the world thinks we should do. We're going to do what the Spirit of the Lord is on us to do because he's anointed us to do that. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next few moments you would speak clearly to us. Thank you for every person gathered in this room. Thank you for every person watching online. We give you honor and glory for what you're doing Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 The anointing. The anointing is the authorizing, protecting, and appointing presence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This anointing happened in Luke chapter three, verse 22, when the Bible says Jesus was being baptized there, and it says the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. To be anointed means to just be smeared with oil. To be smeared with oil. This is a picture that God used of what shepherds would do to sheep. And we're gonna talk about that in a more, in a minute. But what's happening here with Jesus in Luke chapter 3 and verse 22, the picture is of a dove, but the anointing is to be smeared with the oil. It's to be smeared with the oil. And and I want to tell you something. When you get smeared with the oil, everything about you changes, it's the same thing that happened to the people of God in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit fell on them, the wind of God began to blow. And the Bible says they came out of that room speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They were smeared with the oil. Does anybody in the room wanna be smeared with the oil? See, we have got, got a bad picture of the anointing sometimes because of, of, of the way we, we do church. We gotta get in and out in an hour or so. And we gotta get people back, and we don't know, you know, if people really wanna get messed up when they come to church. So, so we don't anoint you like, we, like like the Bible shows us that the anointing would happen. When someone got anointed, they didn't just get like a little tap on the head. They would get smeared from head to toe with the anointing, because I don't I don't just need the anointing on my forehead. I need it in my ears. I need it in my eyes. I need him in my mouth. I need him in my hands. Come on, somebody! I need him in my feet. I need him all over me. So so it means to be to be smeared with oil. And when Jesus was smeared with oil, when Jesus was anointed and the Spirit descended on him. The Bible says that God said from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. During Jesus' ministry, he would go to a mountain and there would be a transfiguration moment and there would be some Old Testament figures on the, on the hill with Jesus. And the Bible says that God speaks and he says, this is my son, hear him, hear him. God was constantly making sure that people knew Jesus was authorized to do what he came to do. And I wanna talk to you for a minute about authorized, about what it means to be authorized, what what it means to to be smeared with the authorizing presence of the Holy Spirit. If you would, would you go to Exodus with me? If you have a Bible, follow me to Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, Exodus 30, verse 22. I'll talk to you about the Old Testament oil for a second because there is a difference between the old and the new. And we need to see what God is doing. So this is what Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 says. Then the Lord said to Moses, he said, take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel and a hen. Now listen listen to this. I did some study on these different, uh, these, these different fragrances, these, these different, um, what would you call them, spices that you have. Some of y'all got these in your, in your uh, cabinet. And when you're making something, you kick it up a notch with some spice. You know what I'm talking about? So these are, these are spices. I didn't realize uh, that, that spices, I, I don't know a lot about cooking, so I watch a lot of cooking shows, but I had no idea that cinnamon, for instance, was made from the bark of a tree. I didn't even know that, because I'm eating it and I'm thinking, this doesn't taste like the bark of a tree. It's the inside layer of the tree, I had no idea. I had no idea. I tell Monica this today, thinking I've discovered something, thinking I got some revelation from heaven. She brought me, I've already, I've already, and then she goes and grabs a cinnamon stick. She's like, duh. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, you just ruined that. I thought I had some revelation from heaven, but whatever. But one thing I do notice in this scripture is of these four spices, two of them are bitter, two of them are sweet. Two of them taste bitter. Two of them taste sweet. And the ones that God said spend more on are bitter. Because the, the oil comes, first of all, at a cost. Second of all, if you're going to have a real oil that really changes lives, there's going to be more bitter than there is sweet. Is there anybody, is there anybody in the room who life is thrown at you more bitter than it has sweet. But has the sweet made up for the bitter? Has the sweet overwhelmed the bitter? Come on. Even, even, the Bible even says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Sometimes it can seem like sin is winning, but I promise you, sin isn't winning. Grace is on the move. Can somebody say amen? So I know life seems to throw at us twice as much bitter as sweet, but, but God is going to redeem it all, and then the Bible says, uh, and, and then you a hen of, of olive oil, and you make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. Some theologians believe that that scripture is literally pointing to the fact that they would have to take these fragrance this, these fragrances and these spices and they would have to give them to a person who made perfume, because, because you had somebody whose skill it was. To make perfume and, and a lot of people a lot of theologians say that the perfumer is is god <laughs> it, it's it's god you take these things that life gives you and these things that life throws at you and you turn them over to god and he makes a sweet fragrance out of it he makes an oil out of it is as anybody in the room do you know that that god takes all things and he works them together for the good of them that love god and call, he's the he's the perfumer And then the Bible says it will be a sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint, watch this, the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them, why? So they will be most holy. Look at this. And whatever touches them will be holy. So in other words, when, when the basin was, was anointed and then water made its way into the basin, the water was holy. Whatever got in to what was anointed became holy. So not only was the article holy, but whatever touched it was Holy. I'm in. Mean, I love this because there is something connected to our holiness and our anointing. And the good news of the gospel, Hebrews 10 and 10, says that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Is there anybody in the room thankful for the new covenant? Yeah. Woo! Because my holiness. Is not about how good I can be my holiness is how good Jesus has been for me when he died on the cross how holy he was when he died on the cross and that's how holy I am that's how God sees me so I'm not anointed because I do a bunch of good stuff I'm anointed because God has been so good to me he has made me holy so now I can be anointed it was reserved for for these these items that were set apart and the priests that were set apart as a matter of fact if, if they weren't careful they would go in and if they weren't if they weren't everything they needed to be they, they would put a little a little cord on their leg and and it had a bell on it and when they would walk in to the most holy place the Bible says they knew they were still alive if the bell was jingling because it was possible for you to get in there and not be as holy as the room and if you're not as holy as the room you're in you're dead I just wonder if there's anybody thankful. That we get to encounter a holy God, we get to walk behind the curtain tonight, not on our own goodness, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Somebody in the room ought to give God praise because Jesus has made you holy so so in the Old Testament, you you would anoint places and and things and 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 people, but in the New Testament, what we really see is that those places and things were types and shadows of us. The Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst? The basin is in me. The curtain is in me. I'm the temple. Whew, this is good, man. I'm the temple. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 through 22 says, "Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come." Why did he anoint us? To seal his ownership of us. I want you to know tonight that you are marked by God. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are marked by God. God has put his seal of ownership on you. And whatever belongs to him, he is responsible for. And whatever he is responsible for, I'm telling you, he is faithful to take care of. I wonder if there's anybody in the room tonight who would say, God, thank you that you are responsible for me because I know you'll take care of me. I'm his. I belong to him. And he put his spirit in my heart. He's guaranteeing me what is to come. 1 John 2 and 27 says this. It says, but the anointing which you have received from him. Watch this. Listen, this is so exciting. It abides in you. Whew. Now, now, now I'll, I'll break this down for you in a second because I don't want you to misunderstand this. But it says, and you do not need that anyone teach you. My children right now, their ears just perked up, and they said, I've been saying that my whole life. I don't need anybody to teach me. I, I know everything. And he says, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What First John two twenty seven is not saying, it's not saying that you don't need teachers. What, what he's saying is that there are some things that you can't learn in the classroom, some things you can't learn from the Holy Spirit are not just necessary for us to have good church. Those things are necessary in the classroom. They're necessary in the boardroom. They're necessary in the operating room. They're necessary in the courtroom. You, you know you're anointed when you stand in a room full of people with more degrees than you, but you have more authority than every one of them. The difficulty is that most people have settled for being entertained by gifts because they don't have a reference point for the anointing. See, talent will entertain you, but the anointing will change you. Being gifted and anointed are not the same. When you go to a concert and you hear your favorite singer sing, and you're in that crowd... And you're listening. I went to a Coldplay concert, and I listened as Chris Martin sang for an hour and a half. And I got cold chills, and I cried. But that wasn't the anointing. That was a gift. And so people have thought because they came to church and they felt goosebump, or they cried a little bit, that that was the anointing. No, the anointing will entertain you. The anointing can even make you cry. But... I'm sorry, a gift can entertain you, and a gift can even make you cry, but only the anointing can change your life. Only the anointing can break the yokes and the bondages off of your life. Only the anointing can do that. Isaiah 10 and 27 says it's the anointing oil that breaks the yoke. The NIV version says this, and I like the NIV because it says it, it says it a little bit more accurate to the original language. The NIV version says, the yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. (laughs) That's what it says. The NIV says, the the King James says, the King James cleans it up a little bit says, it's the anointing oil that breaks the yoke. The NIV says, let's keep it real. (laughs) You will break the yoke because you have grown so fat. (laughs) I love this because because if I did anything in 2020, I got fatter than I was in 2019. Yeah. Sitting at home, eating Reese's Puffs, and drinking Mountain Dew did not help my figure. And somebody say amen. I love this because it says the anointing breaks the yoke. My fatness breaks the yoke. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm too fat for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too fat for that. No, somebody asked me one time, they said, oh, you're saved now. Oh, you're too good for us. I said, I said, no, I'm just too anointed for that yoke. I'm bigger than that. Somebody in the room needs to let somebody know, I'm not better than you. I'm just bigger than that. <laughs> somebody needs to let the devil know, I-, I know you came back at me with that same old thing you've been trying to get me in, but I've grown beyond that. You need a new tactic, because I'm not falling for that in 2021. I'm grown. I'm full grown. I'm too fat for that. Woo! My God, I'm too fat for that. It's a, it's a, finally, a good reason to be fat. From the scripture. <laughs> but the picture there is that, is that my fat, see, the picture is that the yoke, Is holding me, and the the, the imagery is that I grow so large that it's not some external thing that comes and breaks the yoke off of my life. The anointing abides within me. It's that I grow so large with the bondage on me that I break the yoke off of my life. I just, I'm wondering, is there anybody in the room who can grow when you feel locked up? Who can grow when it feels like you're in bondage? I don't need the road to be clear for me to grow. I don't need everything to work out for me in 2021 for me to grow. I don't, need, I don't need to get all good reports in 2021 for me to get fat. All I need is to know that God is on my side. And even if I feel like I'm in bondage, I can grow out of it. Look at your neighbor and say, I can grow out of that. I've grown out of a lot of stuff in my, I grew out of my jeans, I grew out of my shoes, I grew out of my shirts. I can grow out of this too. Whew. That's good news. It's, 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 it's a, it's a yoke-breaking anointing. Yoke-breaking. Think about this. In Mark chapter 1, verse 23. Remember, Luke 4, Jesus says, Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Think about this. Mark 1 and 23 tells us this. Jesus stands up to preach in the temple. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, and there was a man who was demon possessed there who all of a sudden, he, he started to talk. And he said, he said hey, ha, have you come here to torture us? He said, Because I know you are the holy one. You are the anointed one of God. And Jesus, the Bible says, tells him to shut up, rebukes him, and commands that devil to come out of that man. Now, what a powerful story, right? He recognized the authority of Jesus. When Jesus was teaching in the temple, they were blown away because they couldn't believe the kind of authority that he taught with. How, but think about this. How long had that man gone to church with a devil and never said anything? He, he didn't speak up until he recognized somebody with an anointing. Come on, somebody. I wonder if there's anybody in the room tonight who would say, God, whatever's on me, whatever's in me, go ahead and break it off of me tonight. In the name of Jesus. I don't want to carry it any further. That Come on, that, that sin that's, that's, that's taking me down, that addiction that's carried me too far. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm by the anointing. It's breaking off in the name of of Jesus I rebuke it in Jesus name listen and whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven you don't have to walk out of here the same way you came into this place the anointing can break the yoke hallelujah hallelujah so 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 I I, I, I want to be a part of a church I know this sounds crazy but I want to be a part of a church that freaks demons out where they where they're like i can't go to church there anymore i i can't keep sitting in that service i can't keep sitting under that anointing this is driving me crazy i i want i want i want devils to be uncomfortable in here I want I want when people walk in with addictions and and with alcohol issues and relationship issues and demons that are oppressing them and some of them got demons on the inside of them I want the demon to say I can't go in there I can't walk in that anointing I can't I can't go in there and stay Woo. I, I want that I want that power on our lives and in our church and we've seen that over the years, and we've seen, listen, because nobody has ever walked in here and, 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 and given up on their addiction and given up on bad relationships and given up on bad behaviors because we were talented. Nobody ever came in here and said, my God, that preacher's so talented, I'm going to stop doing drugs. <laughs> but people have walked in this room and felt the anointing and bondages broken off of their marriages have walked in here broken and shattered and been healed. People with sickness have walked in here and got healed. Come on, somebody. Addictions have been broken off in this place. Is there anybody thankful this is a place where the devil isn't comfortable? This is a place where he says, are you here to destroy me? I know who you are. You're the anointed of God. You're the anointed of God. Woo, I'm the anointed of God. Some of y'all need to get excited about that. You got more excited about your Christmas presents than you did about this. But oh my God, this is something that will change your life. A new pair of sneakers ain't going to do it. A PS5 ain't going to do it. But the anointing changes everything. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing destroys. The anointing will put marriages back together. The anointing will open up blinded eyes. The anointing will bring poor people out of their poverty. The anointing, the anointing That's what you're looking for. You, you, you're tired of talent. There's talent people who are a dime a dozen. We need anointed people. Anointed people that recognize who they are. The devil knows who you are. Why don't you act like you know who you are? I'm a nobody. You know, I'm not as good as the preacher. I, you know, his marriage must be perfect. Are you serious? <laughs> Just talk to Monica for five minutes. His life must be perfect. Are you out of your mind? I'm not as good as the elders. They just have a special anointing. No, the same Jesus that Hebrews says made us holy, made you holy. The same Jesus that anointed us, anointed you. You are anointed. In In the Old Covenant, I love this story. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1 Samuel has been told by God to to anoint Saul. And the Bible says Samuel goes and he takes a flask of olive oil and the Bible says he pours it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, I wonder if he let him know first. <laughs> this isn't appropriate in 2021. <laughs> They'll put you on Twitter for this. <laughs> but... <laughs> But Samuel, the Bible says, took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has the Lord not anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Up to that point, Saul had no inkling of who he really was. And in a moment, the anointing changed his entire life. Changed the entire trajectory of his life. And yeah, he was tall. And yeah, he was good looking. But none of that mattered. Because the anointing changed everything. The anointing has nothing to do with stature. The anointing has nothing to do with looks. The same God that anointed Saul anointed a little ruddy kid named David. The same anointing that came on Saul <laughs> came, on that, came on that tiny little man that climbed up in a sycamore tree. What's his name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Same anointing that was on Saul on Zacchaeus, he said, he said, did not the Lord anoint you to be ruler over my inheritance? In other words, God was saying to him, I've anointed you to lead my people. My people are my inheritance. When, when you are anointed by God, the anointing comes for authorization The authorization that God gives you is to rule. It's to take back the dominion that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. So when I anoint you, I look at you and say, have I not made you a ruler? Have I not made you a leader? Have I not made you responsible You like, I'm not a pastor. I, yeah, but you lead a home. Uh, listen, I need the anointing more for my house than for this church. Can I tell you, being a dad is a whole lot harder than pastor in this church. Being a good husband is a whole lot harder than pastor in this church. Not losing my mind on people in these streets is a whole lot harder than pastor in this church. I need the anointing, not just to pastor this church. I need the anointing to lead my family. I need the anointing to lead my kids. I need the anointing to lead myself. I need it. I need it. So he says, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And then the Bible says through the next eight verses that he gives him all of these instructions. He tells him, go to this place, go do this, go here, go do this. And then, and then the prophet says, in a few days, seven days, I'm going to meet you. And then in verse 10, the Bible says, the prophet tells him, the spirit of the Lord is going to come powerfully upon you. And you will prophesy with them. And listen to this. This is one of the most powerful portions of scripture in the whole Bible. 1 Samuel 10 and 10, he says, and you will be changed into a different person. The anointing changes me. The anointing me makes me a different person. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. A lot of people run around talking about, like, you need to be you. You need to be the authentic you. You need to be the real you. Who cares if people accept you? You just be you. Your authentic self. (laughs) No, I need the anointing. Because the real me is why I'm going to hell. I need to be changed into a completely different person. Saul then prophesied before this. The Bible says when he started to prophesy, people looked at him and said, "Is he? Is he a part of the? Is he? A, is he one of the prophets? Why? Because it was it was impossible for someone who had been raised in the prophetic society to do what Saul was doing. And all of a sudden, because of the anointing, he came out of nowhere, prophesying, leading. Coming to, coming to leadership in the, in the nation out of nowhere. And I'm telling you this, this is what the spirit of the Lord does in somebody's life. He takes somebody with no background. He takes somebody that doesn't have all the, right, the, all, the, all, all the right resume. He takes somebody with all the issues that would say, hey, you can't be a prophet. Hey, you can't lead church. Hey, you can't preach. Hey, you can't start a business. Hey, you can't be a doctor. Hey, did you look at your GPA? But the anointing. Says God can turn me into a completely different person. Is there anybody in 2021 that would say, God, I want to be totally different at the end of this year than how I walked into this year? Change me, God, by your anointing. My God, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. The Bible teaches us that it's like, it's like a bullseye to the Holy Spirit. It's like when you put the anointing on something, it's like X marks the spot. The oil marks the spot. Every time somebody was anointed, the Bible says, and they were filled or they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The anointing is authorization. The anointing is protection. It's the authorizing, protecting presence of the Holy Spirit. Man. David David understood the anointing probably like no one else. Maybe other than, than Samuel. I love this. And We're going to talk about this a little bit on Sunday so you don't want to miss Sunday because Sunday we're going to talk about the appointing presence of the Holy Spirit because Samuel was never king but Samuel made kings. You got to see that because my anointing and your anointing the thing that God empowers us to do specifically might not be exactly the same, but that doesn't make my anointing any less than your anointing or your anointing any less than mine because we need each other. It's the appointing, it's the positioning presence of God that puts us in the right spaces and places because David, Saul doesn't become king and David doesn't become king just because they're anointed to be king. No, they have to be made by Samuel. We're going to talk about that on Sunday, but let's talk about protection, this protecting anointing for a second. David, David said in Psalm 23 he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is there anybody in the room? who knows, lack? Anybody in the room tonight who knows what it's like to go without? And so you you hear stuff like, the Lord is my shepherd, and God is my protector, and I won't want, and... You hear verses like I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread and you've been to places and spaces in your life where you didn't even have bread What what is what is happening? Does that does that mean the Lord ceased to be my shepherd? Does that mean the Lord ceased to provide? Can I tell you, very often, you and God don't see provision the same way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Doesn't mean I won't ever have any needs. It just means that God will always provide. Now, Now, what God provides might not be what you think you should get but God always provides and this is what I found out about God even when it seems like he's doing nothing he's doing something never confuse his His silence with his absence never confuse silence with inactivity if God isn't giving you what You think you want, maybe he's waiting for you to get the right want. Because he's not a liar. What if what what if what you need in this season is lack to create a true want? New Testament, Luke 15, prodigal son. He says, give me my inheritance. Father isn't dumb. He knows he's going to waste it. He knows he's not ready for it. But he knows that if I give it to him, if I give him what he wants, it'll produce a true want. He knew he was going to end up out of his mind, ready to eat pig food, making his way back home. Because sometimes, sometimes God will do things to create a true want. You're like, God, I wanted that job. He's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I applied in everything. No, you don't. Yeah, I did. I went to school for it. No, you don't. Oh, my God. The disciples, watch this. On the day they decide to follow Jesus, they have the most successful day of their fishing business. But the Bible says they laid down their nets. They laid down their most productive day. Even though they wanted success in their business, they wanted something else more. They wanted the anointing. So, so, so Peter, Peter understood that what God anoints is not always what I know. So, Elijah, when he comes to Elisha, he throws his mantle on him. And he, he, he starts to walk away. He said, wait, 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 wait a second. He said, can I, can I? All right, okay, okay, go do it. But Elisha, who only knew plowing, left all of it to follow the anointing. Because what I want is not really what I want. Is there anybody in the room who you follow Jesus long enough to know that What you want is not always what you want. And if you're really going to follow God, you're going to have to give up on the life you thought you wanted. If you want the anointing, you're really going to have to give up on the life you thought you wanted. Because sometimes he doesn't anoint the thing you wanted. Then David continues to talk. He leads me besides the world. He restores my soul. That's a way God protects us, is that he gives us what we want, what we truly want. And then David says, later on in Psalm 23, he just, he throws this out. He said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. This is funny because... The same David that's writing this is the same one who was anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, after he wasn't even invited to his anointing service. Samuel tried to anoint everybody else. Jesse tried to get him to anoint everybody else. Je- Samuel said, you got another son? Well, I got one that I completely forgot about, obviously. He's in the field. Send for him. We're going to wait till he gets here the Bible says that when he got there, Samuel arose and he took that horn of oil and he poured it out on David and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Think about this. The same David that said he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies is the same David. The Bible says that when Samuel anointed him, he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Think about this. Sometimes God doesn't punish your enemies by taking them out sometimes God punishes your enemies by making them watch him bless you You, somebody better better grab me because I'm getting real excited right now see sometimes God doesn't take your enemies out sometimes their punishment is that they have to watch God feed you See, I know they didn't like the post, but they saw it. I know they don't follow you on Instagram, but they stalk you. I'm telling you, the blessing is not that God kills all your enemies. You don't want them to do that anyway. You want them to have to sit and watch Him bless you. You want them to have to sit and watch Him do the very thing they said you would never do. Look at what the Lord has done. How do you like me now? Hey, go ahead and stand on your feet. I know every Sunday. I know every Sunday. People that don't like me, watch me. I know it. They're, They're watching to see you fail. They're watching to see you mess up. They're watching to see you slip up. And the moment you do, they'll jump all over you. The moment you do, they'll attack you. But God said the only reason they're watching is so I can bless you in front of them. Don't worry about your enemies. They don't have access to this table. And so a long time ago, I learned this lesson. Robbie, don't even worry about dealing, responding to, correcting, going after. The people that hate you. Because God's got you. As a matter of fact, God's got you so good right now. They're watching you eat his blessing. (sighs) My God. Right after that, he says, this is how he protects you. Right after that, he says, he says, he anoints my head with oil. This is wild to me because at the beginning of Psalms you see all this shepherd sheep imagery and then all of a sudden he starts talking about tables and anointing a head with oil and I, I, I thought the imagery shifted but it doesn't, it's still sheep shepherd because I, I did a little bit of research and I just asked the question you can google this this isn't revelation from heaven this, google told me this Did you know that shepherds anoint sheep? This is crazy to me. And the reason shepherd anoint sheep is for their protection. Number one, sheep fight a lot. (laughs) So he greets their heads up because that's how they like to fight, just like us. (laughs) I'm right. No, no, I'm right. No, I am. The Bible said, "The Bible says he anoints the head. Well, why would why did they do that? So that when they when they when they fought, the, 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 they would slip off each other. It's how he protects us. There there are relationships in here that should be a whole lot worse, but because of the anointing, you could have got offended, but you glanced right off of that thing." You could have got your feelings hurt because nobody shook your hand at church, but you glanced right off of that thing because you're anointed. Only only dry Christians get mad when nobody shakes their hand. (laughs) Anointed Christians realize sheep are going to fight. Sheep are going to go at it. second reason, this is unbelievable to me, sheep are prone to get Attention from bugs. And I'm, I'm trying not to be super gross right now. But these bugs would would plant themselves in their ears or in their nasal cavities. And if they got in there, they would get an infection, and this infection would go to their brain. And when this infection went to their brain, they would start to harm themselves. So so you would see sheep hitting their head against the wall, trying to get rid of this infection or they would be digging their face into the dirt trying to get rid of this infection. Self-sabotaging behavior is what happens to people without the oil. You need the oil because God wants to protect you not just from the enemy but he wants to protect you from your own self-sabotaging behavior from that thing getting in you and affecting you so much that you want to harm yourself. The anointing will keep you from slitting your wrist. The anointing will keep you from taking your life. The anointing will keep you from harming yourself. The anointing will keep you from overdose. I'm telling you, the anointing, it will keep you. It will keep you. It will keep you. It doesn't just protect you from the enemies outside of you. It protects you from the enemy on the inside. So they would anoint him with oil so the bugs wouldn't be able to latch on. My God. And listen, if the sheep did survive, very often they would hit themselves so hard that they would crack their skull and they would die. But if they did survive, if they were lucky enough to survive, that sickness would blind them. They would lose their vision. What's what's the Bible say Jesus was anointed to do? Open. I'm telling you, God wants to give you your vision back. And a lot of people in here aren't blind because you were born blind. A lot of people in this room are blind because you were injured. And you serve a God who restores. He wants to give you your sight back in 2021. I know year 2020 was the year of sight. Forget that. 2021. I believe God wants to restore your sight. I believe that God wants to restore your vision. That thing that infected you, that should have killed you, it might not have killed you. But you've lost your sight. You've lost your vision. You've given up hope. And the God of hope wants to restore your hope tonight.